Go ahead, have a seat. Man, it is good just to get to worship God for a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, God does something special in worship. He does something special in prayer, and he does something special when we focus on him. So we're going to keep doing that. <clears throat> yeah, wow, sorry. Got to recover after some worship. Anyway, we start in a series today called Pray First. Everybody say Pray First. Woo, you're awake, you're ready, ready to roll for this. So we are doing this series because God is our first call, not our last response. Like, we go to Jesus in prayer as our first step toward whatever we're doing, rather than the like, oh, once I try all of my stuff, we'll see if maybe God can like cure it after I tried my thing. But we go to Jesus first. We pray first. Amen? That's who we are trying to be as a church. And that's why we've made some changes over the last few months. We've instituted, you know, First Monday prayer, which is that time that on the first Monday of the month, we get together and have an actual prayer service. But also, as we're trying to be a culture more dictated by prayer, uh, it would be foolish of us not to actually teach on it, right? So we're going to do that through this series, and we're going to look at a variety of things. There's a couple of statements that are made about prayer that we're going to unpack today. There's also Jesus' teaching on prayer we're going to look at, and then even some historical prayers that the people of God have prayed over time that we'll get to unpack together. It's going to be great, but we're also mixing it up quite a bit this series, because uh, over the next five weeks, seven different people are going to preach. I know what you're thinking. Yes, I know how math works. Rather than one person dialing up a 30 or so, 35, 40-minute sermon each Sunday, we're going to have two separate people dial up about 15 minutes to get a lot of things done. First of all, that gives us more perspectives on prayer, but also that's opened up a way for us to actually be the diverse church we're called to be. Because we here at Overflow believe we're called to be a multi-ethnic, multicultural church, which means that we're going to have to platform diversity, not just talk about it. So the seven people that are preaching in this series are from a diverse racial background. They're from a diverse ethnic background. Uh, we grew up different. We've been educated differently. There's even one person who's an immigrant to the United States who is speaking in this series. On top of that, we have people from three different decades of life who are speaking. All of this is to give us different angles on prayer, but also to be who God has called us to be, not just talk about it, right? Awesome. Y'all are like trailing off. I just need you to stick with me because preaching is best when it's a dialogue, not a monologue, all right? Right? Now, I'm glad you're with me, but I have the privilege of unpacking the very first exhortation, if you want to call it that, about prayer and it's one that just floors me. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This letter of Thessalonians uh, was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of people who had barely just become Christians. They've been Christians for three weeks. And Paul wrote this letter back to them saying, hey, here's some things that you got to know and understand. And in chapter 5, he's really unpacking, okay, uh, real quick at the end of this letter, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then that is a way that we follow Jesus. So in this end of the passage of do this, do this, do this, do this, comes this command that just is 
We'll call it interesting. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 says this. Pray continually. That's the whole thing. So, continually, some of your translations probably said pray without ceasing. Like never stop praying, which if you're wired like me, that sounds like a lot. Right? Like, I got a baby at home. Uh, my beautiful Phoebe is about a year old. Like, when she's crying up a storm, I can't be like, yeah, Phoebe, I hear you. Let me Tebow this one out real quick, and then I'll get back with you. Right? The, it seems like a lot. But as good readers of Scripture, we look around the verse to see if there's anything else that it's trying to say. Like, maybe the command gets easier uh, if we look with the verses around it. So reading it in the whole paragraph it comes in, it says this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That didn't get any easier. More specific, but not easier. Wait, first of all, did you catch like the end of this? It said, this is God's will for you. So the next time you're praying... Or the next time you're thinking about stuff like, man, what is God's will and direction for my life? Where should I go? What should I do? Who should I talk to today? Like, what's the next job? Maybe what's, what's that next thing for me? According to scripture, at least one angle of God's will for your life is to be thankful in prayer. So maybe instead of immediately going straight to what's the next job I'm going to get, maybe we need to start with being thankful for what God's already given us. Like the new job might happen. You might get the date. You might get promoted. You might get to drive the car that you have always dreamed of because you wanted a Chrysler 300 and that was your thing. That might happen. But thankfulness is step one. God's will for your life. It's not like that accidentally slipped in there. Like, oh, I meant God's will for you is this like long blueprint. I should have written that in. Like, no, that is the key thing about us. And this, like, constant prayer thing, like, I know that it's what we're called to do. But I got to tell you, it has been a heck of a challenge for me to live up to this standard. Because I remember when I first started ministry, my first ministry job was actually as a secretary. Um, and then I had moved up in the organization after that. But I remember, see, I'd known what God could do through prayer, right? I'd seen God do stuff in other people's lives. I've seen God do stuff in Scripture, and even in my own life before that moment, God had done some stuff. So I knew some of what was possible. And also, I've always been oriented toward like this kind of teacher thing, and so I could teach the mess out of what God can do through prayer. The tension was that I wasn't necessarily experiencing that. And I really, really wanted the prayer life that I knew I could teach about. Like, you ever have those things where, like, you know what you should do, could do, what's possible, but, like, it hasn't, like, hit you in reality yet? And I found myself in that tension. And so, if you don't know me, first of all, my name is Chad. Good to meet you. Uh, Secondly, I am a colossal nerd. So, if I am trying to make something different in my life, I'm going to research the mess out of it in order to find the most efficient way to do it because I have two speeds. Either I'm not doing it or I'm running a thousand miles an hour in that direction. That is it. I have no speed in between. So 
I researched the mess out about how to like incorporate new habits into my life. And I found this thing about action triggers, as in like, if you want to do something different in your life, develop an action trigger. Uh, so if you want to vote more in local elections, get a Google calendar, have it remind you when they are. If you want to floss more, maybe like after dinner, so that every time you finish dinner, you have a little floss stick and you just pick away. But I wanted to pray more, and so I was like, okay, what's a good action trigger? Uh, what's a thing where I do it regularly, a lot, uh, maybe just multiple times a day, where I can use that to remind me to pray? And then I found it. Anytime I went to the bathroom. So for that whole season, anytime I sat on a toilet, I was like, okay, I have to pray. <laughs> I'm a real guy. Okay, maybe y'all are more spiritual than me, uh, but I need like real like earthy things to hang on to and force me to actually live the life I know I'm called to live. But honestly, it took a while to break the scroll habit because like you sit down and it's like, ooh, Instagram. Oh, great. Actually, I, legitimately, there's an Instagram notification on my phone. I'm going to put that away. <laughs> But it took a while to break that habit and incorporate this new one. But now it's it developed. And even today, I can't enter a bathroom without thinking about prayer. It's weird, but it works. Find an action trigger that works for you. What's something you do every day? Maybe you drink a thousand cups of coffee a day. And you just, <laughs> my man. And uh, maybe that's your thing. Like that first sip. Mmm, thank God for coffee. Maybe it's when you get in your car. Maybe it's when you get out of the shower. Maybe it's when, like, you, I don't know, like, you flip on Netflix a lot. Man, ooh, maybe before each new episode of the binge-watching on Netflix we're doing, uh, you have to throw up a prayer before you can hit the go next thing. Our prayer lives will be crazy if we tried that. But find something that works for you. What do you do regularly that you could just be like, all right, I got to throw one up real quick before I do this? This is also one of those spots where some context around this passage helps us. Not just the literary context, which is read the verses around something to get more clarity, but the background of this. Paul, the guy that wrote this, according to himself, is the Jew of Jews. He's the ultimate Hebrew man. He can obey everything, but that also meant he was very heavily steeped in Jewish culture because he himself was Jewish. And as it turns out, they had this liturgy and this tradition and this habit going on with themselves called bless God a hundred times a day. And essentially the line was, if I have not thanked God for a hundred things today, I have lived life poorly. This was so near and dear to their hearts that they developed official prayers and liturgy for everything. Like, a thank you, God, that I woke up. Thank you, God, that I could eat. Thank you, God, for my family. Uh, and then even, like, morning prayers and evening prayers and prayers for having a successful bowel movement and their intestines working. I am not kidding you. You can Google it. You will find the liturgy. But that's how important it was for them to maintain their connection to God through constant thankfulness. Because i got to tell you all, Thankfulness is the antidote to a lot of problems, right? First of all, like, ingratitude, right? Because ingratitude says, man, I don't, I got nothing. God ain't doing nothing. I'm stuck, whatever. I don't have anything I want. But thankfulness says, you know what? God has been pretty good to me. I do have a lot to work with. 
I'll probably be okay. It's also the antidote to entitlement, because entitlement says, I'm owed something here. If only they knew who I was, they would not be saying that to me. I'm going to get mine. But thankfulness says, you know what? God has done a lot for me. And even if I don't get my way this time, it'll be okay. I'm still going to advocate for what I think is best. But even if I don't get my way this time, we'll figure it out. Because God's pretty good. It's also this wonderful cure for hopelessness. Because hopelessness is like, man, there ain't no way out of this one. Whew. I don't know if God, like God's done a lot for other people. I don't know if he can do it for me. Hopelessness says, like, this is our rhythm. This is how we're stuck. Nothing will change. We aren't going forward. Thankfulness generates that hope that says, I can read about what God has done for his people. It says, I've seen what God's done in some other people's lives. It says, I've seen what God's done in my life. I'll bet you anything he can do it again. That is what thankfulness does within us. And also somehow that's God's will for our lives in this passage. Like that's what it says. This is one of those times where you really don't have to do anything beyond just like plain meaning of scripture. Be thankful in prayer. And I figured this was a great way to start this series because sometimes we get stuck praying. Like if you're very like, like you've been with God forever, like you probably don't need a whole lot of prompting. Like, yeah, you can probably go pray for a few hours and you're good. Some of the rest of us though, like we need some material. <laughs> Love how some of y'all thought that was funny. Heard that snicker. Um, <laughs> we need that. We need some material where it's like, what else do I say to the God of the universe in this? I promise y'all, if you start with thankfulness, you will never run out of material. But even think about what you have to be thankful for today. First of all, if you are watching this thing online, there's a lot of technology that went into you being able to see us right now. First of all, whatever mystery Wi-Fi is, that's incredible. But also, like, there's cameras, there's a video switcher, there's, like, four different people actually operating the system to actually make this all work so you can see us. And there's microphones and crazy stuff like that. Like, whoa. Beyond that, for those of us that made it here this morning, there's a lot of potential things to be thankful for. First of all, you woke up. You got breath in your lungs. Thank God for that. Also, if you woke up next to your spouse, thank God for them. If you are single and you woke up alone, thank God for personal space. <clears throat> that is most hallelujah has been in here all morning. By the way, I feel a need to detour here a little bit. Marriage is a very good thing, and I love being married, but also, so is singleness, just real quick. If Jesus and Paul were single, I think it's okay. It is in no way a marker of your spirituality if you're married or not. But also, when you woke up this morning, you probably woke up with a blanket and a pillow and a mattress, and you also probably rolled out of bed onto maybe some hardwood floor. Maybe you got some carpet. Maybe you real fancy. You got a rug in your room. Mmm. Thank God for that. You walked out into the living room where you got a TV. You probably got a couch, maybe even a chair, maybe another rug if you're real fancy. Thank God for those things. You walk into a kitchen and you've got running water, cold water, 
hot water, electricity. You got a freezer to keep food preserved for a while. You got a refrigerator stocked with something, even if it is just ketchup. You have food. Praise God for that. But then beyond that, you probably uh, got here through getting in a car. First of all, if your family has more than one vehicle, you are one of the richest people on earth. Praise God for that. We did not earn being born where we were born. So thank God for that. But also, we live in a society where we have a reasonable expectation that if we get in our car, traffic law will be obeyed enough, where we can get to go where we're going and reasonably arrive safely. Praise God for that. Paved roads, unless you live out in the country, you got some dirt roads, but hey, dirt roads, nature, got some trees, got a cornfield, love me some of that. Praise God for that. But then we got here and we can have a public meeting all about Jesus and we know no one's really going to interrupt it. Praise God for that. You and a hundred of your closest friends all get to worship Jesus together. Praise God for that. You got a church family. Praise God for that. Y'all, there is no end of things to be thankful for. And so as a way to start us into this series about prayer, we're actually going to take a page out of our first Monday prayer playbook. We're going to create some space because uh, if we're trying to shape a culture around prayer, we're trying to teach on prayer, we're trying to platform people so that we can see different angles about prayer, it would be foolish of us not to actually pray. So we're going to make some space. And so you're going to see a prayer prompt on the screen. You're going to have about three minutes. And so what I want us to do is just take some time between you and the Lord and just thank God for everything you can think of.
Father, Lord, even as these prayers gather uh, together uh, to give thanks of your goodness, Lord, I, I thank you that you are here, that you are present. I thank you, Father, for the word that Pastor Chad brought to encourage us, to direct us, have our hearts, Lord, aligned just to simply say thank you. Lord, you've, you've done so much for us. Uh, like the old folks used to sing, Lord, I, I cannot tell it all. So we just say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We are in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Let's read the word of the Lord together. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises. Don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Oh! Come on, that, that's, that's got to be a little bit of a gut punch, ain't it? I, I mean, we, we just had this really awesome word by Pastor Chad, and he's over here talking about, oh, we got to thank God for this, and we got to thank God for that. And, and, and then there was a bunch of talk about bathrooms and stuff, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, where are you going with that? No, I'm joking. And, and then uh, we get on this end of it, and it says, shut up. <laughs> It's interesting, right, because we are in these two spaces that we almost have to balance here. How, how, how are we making sure that we are constantly praying? How are we making sure that we are communicating to God? How do we make sure that we're thankful? But also, how are we making sure that we are intentional, that we're not just talking for the sake of talking? Because like Pastor Chad said, we are before the God of the universe. Can I ask a a question for you this morning. What is your posture? What is the posture of your heart when you come and talk to God? What is the posture of, of your heart when you come to talk to God? Do you just come and just verbally vomit everything that's there that you, that you need to say? Or are you intentional? Or, or is your words precise because you are standing before the God of the universe who, who invites you into this conversation? What is, your, what is the posture of your heart when you talk to God? It seems here in this text that we uh, just read, Solomon is inviting us to explore this conversation. And honestly, he's inviting us to, to follow him here. Uh, what we have to understand is that this, this text right here is Solomon trying to throw us back to, to see this picture for, for him when he went before the Lord at, at Gibeon. And Solomon brings all of these sacrifices, all of these things to God, all of these uh, muchness. Is that a word? <laughs> it is today. And he, he, he brings all of this stuff. And then he has to learn how to reposition himself. And understand, it's actually not all about that. And as he repositions himself, this is what uniquely happens. He learns that God actually wants to communicate with him. And as he learns that God actually wants to communicate with him, he is then able to actually communicate rightly, and he asks of the, the better thing. He says, God, give me wisdom. 
and God says, because you have asked of the right thing, I'm going to give you everything. What is your posture with God when you come? Is it set in, in a way that you can actually hear what God wants to say to you? Is your posture set to actually receive what God wants to say? Or are you just throwing thing after thing after thing after thing after thing after thing after God, and then you click, hang up the phone. All right, God, I'm done now. I got to go. I got to go. And God is, is trying to say, sit, sit just a little while longer because I actually got something to say to you. And actually, if you hear what I got to say to you, maybe, maybe, maybe the words that you will say will now then become intentional and you'll actually start praying the right prayer. What is the posture? What is the posture of your heart when you enter into the presence of God? Is it just mindless talk? Is it just busyness? John Golden Gay, Old Testament scholar, writes it like this, that we are responsible to follow Solomon. We are responsible to follow Solomon, not in the massive number of sacrifices that we want to get. God, give me this. God, give me that. Pastor Chad just said it, right? We almost treat God like this cosmic vending machine. Only if, if I get the right coins and I, and I put it in the slot machine enough times and I pull it, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, and maybe I'll hit that jackpot. And then maybe God will finally give me that thing. Golden Gate says that that's not actually what we're supposed to be doing, but we're actually we're supposed to be coming to God, ready to hear. This is what you have to understand, that the outer court of the temple is the place where everybody was at. It was the place where you would actually come and hear the prophets would be speaking and, and letting you know this is what God is saying. And if you are not paying attention, most of the time you're hanging around with your friends, you're, you're, you're jockeying for position, all these different things, you would miss the voice of God. What is the posture of your heart when you enter the presence of, of God? Is it just mindless talk? Uh-oh, this mic is going crazy here. Is it just mindless talk. Basically, Golden Gate says, posture your heart, listen to God because God is speaking. God is actively speaking. How unique is that? How beautiful is that? That God, actually the God of the cosmos, the God of the universe, the one who spoke into nothing and there was something wants to speak into you. Where are we at? So often, that we get so busy, we get so wrapped up in our own stuff, and that we lose this moment, and we're just throwing God, stuff at God because we think this is the sacrifice that God wants. This is the thing that God wants us to, to speak. I, I love one translation here. It says, uh, uh, it says, don't be like the dimwits that just talk all the time. Ooh. Be intentional. Be in, intentional. Uh, this this is played itself out in, in my life because honestly, I've had to adjust the way I come to God, how I model what prayer is in my family. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, like everybody else, uh, sometimes I used to get, hit God with those drive-by prayers. You know, you know those drive-by prayers. God, thank you. I appreciate you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, you got me. <laughs> Y'all know those. Or maybe it's, it's time to eat. Uh, Father God, thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, I'm ready to eat. Amen. We are talking to the God of the universe. Uh, uh, Solomon says, uh, re remember your position. God is in heaven. You, where are you? 
I remember who you were talking to. How are you engaging with God? And so for me, I have tried to model for my family this idea that we are going to be intentional. We are going to slow down. And so I start praying, and, and it's really easy, actually, if you see how what Pastor Chad is saying and what I'm saying actually start working together, that we are thankful and we are more thankful when we slow down and we are intentional because we understand who the God of the universe we're talking to. And when I start praying, I say, God, I thank you for this meal I'm about to eat because, Lord, this is what I understand that there are people right now uh, in the neighborhood or around me that will not get a chance to eat a meal. But you have blessed me here. I, God, I, I thank you for this table. And not only for this table, but this table gets to sit in a house. And there are people who, which live in the neighborhoods around me, which, which don't get to, are sleeping under a bridge today. They're hoping for shelter. God, God I thank you for this roof over my head. And we move too fast because we want to just throw stuff at God and hope that it sticks. When God wants to have a conversation with you, might I, might I suggest the reason why we struggle with listening to God and we just throw things up at the wall is because, number one, we are afraid what God is going to say. If we actually have to sit down and, and, and really listen to God, and be still, we are afraid what was God's going to say. And, and some of us, if we had to be honest up in here, uh, some of us are afraid that God won't even speak back. And, and this is the God that is inviting us, that is, that is saying, uh, the sacrifice you come, be still, intentional, let your words be few. This is what Solomon is inviting us into the presence of God. And we have this picture of God as if like he doesn't want to speak to us. Or as if the words that he wants to say are going to be harmful to us. What we have to understand, this is the big idea for us today, that prayer becomes powerful and transformative when we learn how to listen to God that it actually starts to transform our hearts. Here's the thing. Prayer is a dialogue and not a monologue. It is not built for us just to talk. Here you go, God. Thank you, God. Give me stuff, God. Bye, God. Prayer is not built like that. It is for us to engage with the God of the universe. God wants to communicate his heart to us. He desires to communicate with us. And the thing is that we have to understand, if God then desires to communicate with us, then there must be implications on that communication. This is how transformation happens. If God is going to speak to me, then I have to be ready and willing if God is going to speak, then I have to be patient enough to sit and wait and hear uh, what he's got to say. If God is going to speak, then I have to be obedient to move in the direction that he's going to move us in. This is a difficult task. You might be sitting here like, oh, man, Elijah, okay, I get it. I've heard this prayer, of course. But, but how often do we find ourselves? Thank you, God. You're good, God. Bye, God. 
Thank, thank you, God. You gave me this thing. God, I got so many problems. You know, my, my, my girlfriend messed me up. Oh, my God. Oh, God, you know, my husband. Oh, my God. Oh, no, no, no. All right, God, thank you. I've now emotionally vomited over you. And God is saying, wouldn't you sit still for a second? Won't you sit still? Won't you let me talk to you for a second? Because I might just have the answers for the problem that you're actually praying about. God wants to transform us. In Richard Foster's book, The Making of the Ordinary Saint, this is what he writes about, this heart of prayer. This is what he says. He says, prayer is the heart's true home. But you see, we have been in a far country. It's been a country of climb and push and shove. It's been a country of noise and hurry and crowds. The heart of God is an open wound of love because of, of this distance and preoccupation of ours. God mourns that we do not draw near to him. God weeps over our obsession with the muchness and the manyness. And God is seeking after us. God seeks us like the father rushing out to embrace the prodigal. God seeks us like the woman who will leave no stone unturned in her determination to find a lost coin. God seeks us like the shepherd searching, searching for one's lost sheep. God is seeking us. What's your posture? What's your posture? When you come before God and you pray, is a God that you're engaging us, who's desperately seeking us, who wants to speak to us. Do we have the same posture that we're desperately searching after God? We desperately want to seek after God. We desperately want to hear God's voice. What is your, what is your posture? Uh, part of the reason why we are in this series is because we are trying to reorient what our first impulse is, right? You know, when somebody cuts you off, we don't pray worldly prayers. You know, you know those prayers. We pray godly prayers. When, when your boss does something, you don't say, hey, 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 Larry. Now, <laughs> y'all know, y'all got a Larry. <laughs> hey, Larry, you better watch yourself now. But, but do you go to God in prayer? And so one of the ways that we've done this is we got these little bands here. And this is our challenge to you as a church. That, that when you enter these situations, uh, right, when you enter these, these spaces, that prayer wouldn't be a last resort. But it would actually be our first response. And, and so this is what we're going to just simply ask you to do. We're going to simply ask you to, to, to get this band. We have these rubber bands here made for you. Spend a ton of money on it. And they, they simply just say, pray first. Simply say, pray first. And that it would be a reminder for you as, as you're going through your situations, as, as things arise, that you would just look down and that you would pray. And remember, prayer is not a monologue. That in that moment of prayer that you would be still, that you would hush the chaos of your soul, and that you would listen to hear what God wants to say. Amen.